As we look to the future of Canada, we need to look no further than our children. They'll be the ones in short order who will shoulder our economy, keep this Canadian dream alive. And so much of their strength will rest in how they're educated. Will they have passion, a sense of purpose? Will they have the skills they need to stand alongside this world of AI and machine learning? Hi, it's Tony Chapman, host of the podcast, Chatter That Matters. This isn't just my question, it's the question every parent asks. And one in particular, Sherry Alain answered by starting her own business. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Thanks, Tony. So tell me, what does Codezilla Kids do? We teach children as young as kindergarten how to code. So we use software apps and these really awesome tech toys. Often we don't even have screens. It's hands-on learning, pre-coding from ages four to 14. Full disclosure, I first met Sherry and Elaine in 2005 when she came to work for my agency, Capital City. She was only there for three years, but we put her in some of our most important brands and Sherry got promoted because of her efforts. Sherry, you had a great career. You continue with a great career. Why abandon that to become an entrepreneur? My grandfather was a very successful entrepreneur, as was his wife, my grandmother, my great aunt. Uh, even my parents have been self-employed for 20 plus years. So it's in my DNA, but for some reason, I was very slow to connect the dots. So what made you connect them? The short answer is it was 2008. It was the recession. I had a new baby, new mortgage. I had to hustle. And as a marketer, if I can't sell myself, I really can't sell anything. That was my mantra. And having worked on five of the world's top brands, thanks to Capital C, I worked in some awesome brands, multi-million dollar budgets. I really knew I could do this. Chuck Yeager was the pilot who first broke the sound barrier an accomplishment many thought was impossible. And when he did, he said the barriers were never in the sky, but always in our minds. To me, the greatest gift an entrepreneur can give themselves, regardless of how tough things are, to say and believe like Sherry just did, I really knew I could do this. Speaking of doing this, take me back to the first days of Codezilla Kids. I already said I'm an entrepreneur at heart, but the other side of my family history is uh, I also come from a family of educators and teachers. Uh, my grandfather was a one classroom prairie school teacher for 30 plus years of his life. And that influenced aunts and uncles to also follow the educational path. So education is rooted in me. Here's another example of this consistent theme that ran right through series one. How much a family and childhood experience established a future path in life. In Sherry's case, she has the DNA of both an entrepreneur and an educator. Face value, I think they're opposing. How did you bring them together? I was now a mother of two young girls, and four or five years ago, all I was reading was how important STEM is. In particular, the technology pillar was so critical to our children for future opportunities. I even met with the principal of my daughter's private school to talk about their STEM philosophy. Uh, You know, for a reference... Uh, so I essentially created what I wanted for my own two children. Unmet needs are the lifeblood of inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs. They are needs begging to be filled with new products and services. So what did you do first? I hired my first four instructors December 2017. In the early days of starting a business, hiring is tough as it involves your reputation and your money. Did you have a strategy? 
You know, I'll quote you, Tony, when you interviewed me, I distinctly remember you interviewing me at least, what, 15, 20 years ago. And you said you hired for personality. And I, I still go by that mantra, you know, so personality goes a long way. You know, over my career, my agencies have hired hundreds of people. My rule has always been hire attributes and build competencies. You can teach people to do things, but it's much more difficult to change their attitude. So Sherry, you've now got four instructors. What happens next? I piloted it. I had 40 kids in four hours. It was all free. I had a wait list. So I knew when I had a wait list for something that parents were already engaged and interested in what I was offering. And honestly, I haven't looked back. I went from testing it, then charging for it. And, you know, it's it's as low, lean startup, scrappy as it comes. I put it on Eventbrite. I said, bring your own laptop. And I was sold out. <laughs> it was that easy. I'm actually still shocked that it happened that easily. I don't think anything comes easy nowadays. You must have done something incredibly right, as many have tried in your space and failed. A lot of that I owe to the work I did on those big brands, like the brands at Capital C, that taught me how to brand properly. They taught me how to market properly, how to communicate properly. Attention is the oxygen of your business and your career. The challenge in this age of noise is too much and too many chasing a finite amount of time. Sherry, one of the ways you found a way to be heard is to become the face of the brand and use a lizard as a mascot. Selfishly, I don't like being the face of the brand. I've actually been very, very um, reluctant to put myself front and center. What I realized over the past three years, though, is that I talk to a lot of parents, moms like me, they really respect what I have to say. and They understand why I've done this. They understand what we do and why we do it. I've begrudgingly made myself more center of the brand along with my dinosaur, because that resonates with my customer, which is largely parents and moms like me. But you've had success. We are at over 40 schools across the GTA. I turned less than $15,000 into more than $250,000 in less than three years. Sherry, what advice can you bring to other startups? And my number one tip is you have to give to get. I've learned that by giving away a free camp or a free birthday party that in turn is used as a silent auction item that parents bid on, I would get 600 pairs of eyeballs. Only one would win, but then those kids would bring their friends. And then those summer children would become my after-school program or my lunchtime program when school resumes. Gift to get? Well, I get that. How about other marketing tactics? I've learned that a 40 cent flyer posted strategically around schools and parks is actually more strategic than an Instagram influencer or, um, you know, thousands of dollars on Facebook ads, because I've done both <laughs> and I tested both. Here's a lesson for all entrepreneurs. Test, don't guess. Continue to learn and refine. Let's get back to your business, Sherry. It's growing through word of mouth, but it's also a business that requires face-to-face -face interaction. COVID strips that away. How do you recode? You are so right. So uh, I give thanks to my team. In less than two weeks, we pivoted to online teaching. Uh, you know, Zoom is my new platform, like many other people around the world. Two weeks, people. Remember, as an entrepreneur, speed wins, but speed often creates mistakes. What worked and what didn't? Once again, you have to give to get. So we gave away to dozens of children a free week of coding, uh, you know, donation to a charity, and in return, we got valuable learnings of how to use Zoom properly to the point now where Zoom is just another tool. 
in some ways we have a better experience because now we've got a captive audience. <laughs> they, they can't, they can't leave without us knowing. So we're making it work. When we did a pre-interview, you said that as soon as you went online, you started getting customers from all over the world. How did that make you feel and how did you react? You know, that famous quote by the co-founder of Wikipedia is that if Google can't find you, you don't exist. And, you know, you know that theoretically, but it's so true. So the world is our oyster. On the flip side, the competition is just exponential as well. So how do you compete now? What do you do different? I focus on what parents are looking for. And as a parent, I want my children to have real life skills. Can you build a computer? Can you build an app? Do you know how to code a video game? Sherry, what else are you doing to differentiate? I intentionally started, A, because I'm a marketer, and B, because I'm a mom, age four, with the tech toys. So I knew I had a longer life cycle of my customer. Sherry, I want to bring you back to something you said to me in the pre-interview. You said that your business might be getting too big for you. Maybe this was a time to sell it or to franchise it. I am an older mom. You know, I was changing diapers in my 40s. And this, this really is a physically exhausting business. And although COVID's really thrown us a wrench, there's some things I don't want to return to. I like the luxury of online, even though it's, you know, 80% of the same work, only 25% of the revenues. But you still have so much demand. Yeah. So literally after you reached out through LinkedIn, I had another woman within 24 hours saying, we talk about your business. She's the fifth person in three years to ask about, you know, your business. Can I franchise it? Can I bring it uh, to my province? I've had three people from overseas ask about it. Sherry, this is part of the podcast where I seek some advice from thought leaders. I'm going to find one who can give you a perspective on franchising and another on scaling, even if it means selling out. Thank you, Tony. It's been a real honor. I'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Chapman. I'm proud to host the podcast Chatter That Matters and equally proud that RBC is my presenting sponsor. RBC is launching Canada United. It's a national movement to promote the importance of driving Canada's economy forward by having us all shop local. RBC's brought together over 60 of Canada's leading brands and organizations, all adding up to a nationwide shopping event the weekend of August 28th. But it doesn't stop there. Pull out your mobile devices because every time you watch, read, and like the Canada United videos and posts, or hashtag Canada United on Twitter, RBC will donate five cents up to $2 million to support small business, the heart of our economy. Here's to RBC and to all of you because small business matters. Sherry, this is the part of the podcast that I love the most. It's when the three experts are, have weighed in and I'm going to share what they think about your business and you personally. For the first time actually leading with RBC, one of the things you asked for was, should I franchise this business? So once again, I tapped into this wonderful well of expertise that, that lives and breathes at RBC. One of those individuals is Paul De Silva, National VP of Franchise Markets. He understands the business of doing business from both a franchisor and franchisee. Paul, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you, Tony. Paul, what type of businesses should look to franchising as a path forward? The key element is, can it be replicated? You go beyond the balance sheet to kind of look at what the operating manual is all about? Going through their business, going through the personality, going through the individual to see how they're going to go across the country. And literally, we'll go through how that financing process will be. Uh, on a case-by-case -case basis or a franchisee-by-franchisee -franchisee basis. 
So I want to shift your expertise now to Sherry Elaine's business. Do you think it's suitable for franchising? Definitely. There's already a whole bunch of brands in this space under the tutoring or education space. Like you've got Oxford Learning, you've got Mathasium. So yes, it's definitely something that can be replicated and therefore can uh, is a great candidate for franchising. So it's a crowded space. What would you advise someone like Sherry to do to make sure she stands out and stands for something? Understanding who your competition is, what are they good at? What are they weak at? Like what aren't they, what aren't they doing right? So someone like Sherry, where can she turn to get more information and direction? The Canadian Franchise Association is a good place to start. It, there's a lot of consultants, accountants, um, lawyers that specialize in the space. Same, same thing with bankers. Um, so it's a good place to start. Any other places? There's a lot of emerging franchisors today that are at various stages. A lot of them may provide some advice as to what their journey was like as they started to do franchising. What did the franchise disclosure document cost? What were the consultants for the op manuals like? Paul, any final thoughts for Sherry? You've got to be flexible. You've got to be prepared. So Sherry, any thoughts from uh, what Paul had to say? Wow. Um, so it's it's great news to hear that it's franchisable. Um, I think I knew that based on really understanding my competition. Um, I think his last line, be flexible and be prepared, was really, really critical because that might, that might sound like it's a contradiction in terms, but I think that's what you really need to do as an entrepreneur. Like plan, plan the work, work the plan, but be prepared to pivot if you need to. That's fabulous. The next expert I reached out to was Ken Wong, who I've known for decades, because you were talking about one of your great attributes was marketing. And I wanted Ken to sort of weigh in on how you're doing that and other ways in which you can go after business. So when I mention our next expert's name in any conversation at almost any venue, I hear best professor ever. Well, Ken Wong is much more than a distinguished professor at the Smith School of Business or the principal architect of the first full-time degree program in Canada to operate completely outside a government subsidy. He's much more than a consultant. He's much more than just an entrepreneur. His dent in the universe has been shaped by shaping the hearts and minds of thousands of students from Canada and around the world. Ken, welcome to Chatter That Matters. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for the generous introduction. So before we get into Sherry's business, I want to tap into that big brain of yours. What makes for a great entrepreneurial company? Uh, the first, obviously, is a great idea. Uh, they have to have an idea for a product that solves a problem that a lot of people have and that people are willing to pay to have solved for them. Second, they have to have some great insights. They need a great team. Uh, most founders of startups, I find, are, are great visionaries. Uh, but great visionaries oftentimes lack operational insights. The fourth thing, cultures that they aren't just afraid to fail, they're actually motivated by proving everybody, including the so-called experts like myself, proving them wrong. And then the fifth, of course, is capitalization and cash flow. So, Ken, you just gave us a master class in entrepreneurship. Now, put that lens on Sherry Elaine's business. What's your immediate reaction? It's a tough one. I see two big challenges for her. What's the first? The first is that in some respects, Sherry's been very lucky uh, in a perverse way. The school closings in COVID were the best things that could have happened for her. We had kids at home, parents looking for day camp like programs. Uh, conditions were ripe. People were searching her out 
as opposed to her needing to announce herself to the world. And the second? It comes back down to whether she wants to be a, a, a day camp with STEM or a STEM program with day camp. What's the difference? If she wants to be a STEM program with day camp, she needs credentials. She needs an imprimatur of quality. You know, if there's money to be made in this space, others are going to come in. And the others would be people like Oxford Learning, uh, Kumon Systems. These are people who have reputations in the education space. They would have a distinct advantage. What if she focused on being a camp with STEM? That's a different story. Now she can still borrow on her, her insights. And in fact, uh, her ability to go and talk to school boards, she could even promote that as allowing her to customize around their unique needs. So what are Sherry's other watchouts? The next step for her is a big, big, big step. She wants to grow, but she has limited capital. If you listen to Sherry's voice, you can tell she's at that crossroads where she knows there's a giant step in front of her. She's not sure which way to go. Do I sell? Do I try to scale the business? Do I try to franchise it? She has a chance to have Ken Wong at her at her table, which she does right now. What would Ken Wong advise Sherry to do? Well, I think I'd advise Sherry to do the same things that, that I would advise any business to do. Uh, and that is to, to focus on what I call the, the three Ps, uh, people, processes, and props. If she wants to franchise, she has to find a way to standardize those elements. Let's start with people. So with people, she has to develop a profile of people. She has to have a standardized training and onboarding process. And processes? How portable is our curriculum and, and methods? Uh, can we standardize and offer back office resources? Because Oftentimes, these instructors aren't business people. They don't know accounting and bookkeeping and marketing. And then, of course, the big one for me is, can you use the same marketing campaign everywhere in which you want, where you want to open a, a program? And how about props? And then props is really a question of, does she have technology that is portable and, and accessible to everybody? And if Sherry has all these three things, people, processes, and props? If she can standardize those three things, she now has a package she can put before a franchisee uh, and, and a package that she can go to investors with uh, to explore the possibilities of uh, them financing her growth. But until she can document those things, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe. Ken, as I expected, a masterclass, brilliant. You uh, over-delivered. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And please tell Sherry if she wants. Tell her to give me a call sometime. I'm happy to talk through these things with her in, in more detail. Can I put that in the podcast? You bet. <laughs> Sorry, that's incredible. I mean, that's the that's the magic of this podcast yeah. is some of the top minds wanting to reach out and say, hey, just give me a call if I can help. Well, I, I when you told me in advance who the three experts were, I already went a little bit groupy. Professor <laughs> 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 Wong, I admit it. I mean, he's obviously the marketing hall of fame or, or legends. Um, so I really, really value his feedback. Uh, operations is definitely one of the areas where I don't enjoy. <laughs> I'm a sales and marketer. Um, so I fully realize that that is going to be a crux moving forward. We actually, I think, have been successful because we really understand our, our audience, our customers. But I take the point exactly about credentials and always upping that. I think we're 50% of the way there um, as far as curriculum and operations. But we have another 50% to go to really get to the next level. And, and he's right. The question is, do I want to make that investment? Um, or do I want to take my, 
you know, decent nest egg and say, okay, I know how to brand. I know how to market. What's, what's my next chapter? I don't know. Well, speaking of your next chapter, I also went to Bruce Croxon and Bruce Croxon, as, as you'll hear in his introduction is, uh, arguably one of the most successful entrepreneurs this country's done. But more importantly, he spent the last decade helping people like you and being honest and just telling you what he thinks. Canada's produced some extraordinary entrepreneurs, those that could stand tall amongst the best in the world. One of them joining me today is Bruce Croxon. 1988, he co-founded one of the online dating sites, pioneered it. No doubt it was a success, attracted 2 million users, many successful marriages, and an exit well, was worth over $180 million. Today, Bruce is a TV personality, a venture capitalist, partner in Round 13 Capital, and he's dedicated to investing in growth stage digital companies. Bruce, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. So Lava Life, this online dating site you co-founded, was very innovative in its day. Tell me why. We pioneered a couple of things back in the day. One, as you noted, was the sort of online business of connecting people together, arguably the first social network in the world. And I read in the same article that your structure was different. We were also actually quite good at having tech people sitting beside business people. Why was that an advantage? We had one guy who was, you know, just a crazy serial dater, one of my partners. And he'd come back and say, listen, here's what she said. We changed the code on the fly. And, you know, it is um, fashionable now to talk about rapid development. So if you're advising a small business owner and they're starting to expand and one that owner might be very business savvy, do you think one of the first places they should look for a partner is to somebody that can compliment them on the technology side? 100%. I've never, I've never done anything alone. I'm a self-taught direct marketer, have a passion for organizational development, okay at recognizing new ideas. But there's a whole list of stuff that I don't do well. And, you know, I, I think the success I've had uh, has been by making sure that I bring partners in that, ha- that bring that skill set. And I, I'll tell you, the failures I, I've had is when I've, when I've neglected to bring in the right kind of people to complement what I do. What advice would you give someone like Sherry to find that right person? So if you're open and transparent about what you're up to, people will find you. But how do you know if they're right? finding the right core value fit, the kind of people you want to go to war with, to use an old analogy, um, that's a much tougher job. And it is the ultimate difference between success and failure, in my view. So let's move over to Sherry Allen's business, the Codezilla Kids. What your first impressions? My first impressions is right place, right time. One thing we all know is the future is going to involve technology. And, you know, people have to be taught. And she's in that sweet spot of grabbing our kids early and getting them up a curve that is going to be part of their life forever. There's no debate about that. So what are Sherry's watchouts? The downside of her business is the customers are transitional, right? She is not going to hang on to those kids for life. Her job is to get them in, get them up the curve, and then they're going to move on. So it becomes even more important for her to open up as many cost-effective funnels as possible. That is going to be the difference between whether or not she can scale a business or whether it's going to remain a lifestyle business where you're, you know, you're relying just on moms or, you know, word of mouth, which is a very efficient way to gain new users, but you can't do it at scale. What advice do you give to entrepreneurs when the business starts to get bigger than one individual can handle? I would not be thinking about franchising this business. What would you encourage her to think about? 
if I was Sherry, I would be attracting a partner that has had some experience in scaling and all that comes with that. I would combine her marketing knowledge with what that partner brings to the table in terms of their experience, make sure I have some good tech resource, cut them into, and then I would turn to an early stage venture partner and I would say, listen, I need a million bucks to do my testing properly in order to get my business to the next stage, fund me. If it's a question of money, if it's not a question of money and she has the resources to go and take the company to the next stage, I'd get doing that. And success would be? It starts with all the different channels you have to drive customers and develop some nuggets to scale that business efficiently. If Sherry is right here and now, what would you tell her? I have a feeling that given the nature of the business, she's in the right place at the right time if she has the stomach for it. Bruce, that's fantastic. I know how valuable your time is, but I also know how much you give back to Canada and the new economy. So I really appreciate you uh, joining us on Chatter That Matters. My absolute pleasure, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, sure. You had another cleanup hitter. What did you think of Bruce? He is just, wow. He's like, Tony, I, I told you I've paid thousands of dollars to get mentoring and access to you know female founder groups and not really got the value. Bruce in 60 seconds was amazing. Thank you so, so much to both you and Bruce. Well, Sherry, it's, uh, I want to give you some parting thoughts. In, in the interview earlier, you talked about our first interview. You asked me what I was looking for, and I said, personality. Well, you almost had me at hello. You came in with your <laughs> smile, your shining eyes, your animation, and my instincts proved to be so correct because when you were with me, you were an absolute star. We put you on some of the toughest clients, and not only did you manage their needs and make them smile, you did so by also letting all the other people in the agency feel like they were a part of something. And, and for that, I'll always be grateful. I'm so proud of you as a, as a mother, as a mother that identified an unmet need for her children, someone that had the DNA of your parents and educators and entrepreneurs, your grandparents, and what you've built. And I think that you've got a tough choice to make in front of you. And I think what you're hearing very clearly is don't abandon it by turning this into a franchise and, and process and everything that's not you, find the partner that can complement you. Find a partner mm -hmm. that lets you grow, find a partner that helps your business grow, but more importantly, also lets you have a life and lets mm -hmm. you enjoy life. And I think the combination of Ken saying, what business I'm in, Paul really pointing you why franchise is probably not your personality, and then Bruce really talking about this is the business and this is the time. Go for it. I think putting those three things together, I just, I'm proud today and I know I'm going to be even prouder tomorrow watching this uh, Sherry L.A. who walked in with a big smile. Uh, absolutely continued to delight the head, heart and hands of all those kids that, that learn how to code uh, by playing. Thank you. That was so gracious. Um, I'm, I'm going to tear up. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm really sincere. You have no idea how much this, this means to me. My only regret is I didn't get this a year ago. <laughs> I wish I'd been on season one. <laughs> you sound great, by the way, in the podcast. Great. Well, I'll be sure to share it on my social media networks and tell my mom and dad. <laughs> Please do. Have, well, have a great weekend and thank you. To find details on how RBC supports its business clients, visit rbc.com business. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman. 
If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions. 